0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Campaign Podcast, where we chat about advertising, media, and marketing. I'm your host, Omar Oaks. I'm excited to announce that my eyesight is in working order. I went for a nice long drive just to make sure. We've got a jam-packed show today, we're going to sit down with two of the leading companies that run the ad account pitches for brands, AAR and Ingenuity, to talk about how all these pitch meetings over video chats have been going. We've got a first look at Claire Beale's interview with New Commercial Arts, Ian Hartfield and David Golding. But first, to help me make sense of this week's news in these never-ending coronavirus times is Campaign's Deputy News Editor, Simon Gwynne. Hello.
1: Hi Omar, very nice to be here. We've had a few scheduling issues in the past so I haven't been able to uh, appear uh, as of yet during the the pandemic era but uh, very nice to be here.
0: Well that's the great thing about a crisis, it throws up all sorts of challenges um, that we're pleased to have to to overcome Um, but what do you do, what do you write about, what are you interested in right now?
1: Well uh, as you said uh, I'm the deputy news editor, I write about all sorts of things. Uh, I write about Brand strategy, ad campaigns, uh, toings and froings in the ad industry. At the moment, I'm really interested in how uh, the uh, period in time that we're going through at the moment is going to reshape the role of brands, the expectations of brands. Um, I think we've seen most companies recognizing that what people expect from them is a little different at the moment. They need to be shown to be very actively uh, doing what's necessary to kind of help society get through this. I'm curious to know the extent to which that's going to carry on once life returns to whatever normal is.
0: Indeed, whatever normal is. um, I mean, that really, what you just said, that is over, that's underpinning everything that we're going to talk about today. And indeed, we've been talking about over several weeks, because this coronavirus crisis seems to be accelerating a lot of the longer term trends in the industry. And um, what we're seeing seems to be a reflection of that Um, one of which and we've talked about this numerous times is working from home and lots of agencies in the last week their holding companies have been talking about how um, they're going to plan going back to work and it seems to be and I want to get your view on this Simon it seems to be that they're relaxed about people coming back to the office there's no rush and indeed it seems that a significant amount of people working in the ad industry in the UK anyway probably won't be going back to the office at all this year.
1: It does seem that way yeah I think what we've seen from what the holding companies have said is that it's clearly really high up the agenda to uh, be thinking about how to effectively reopen their offices because for all the things that uh, perhaps surprise people about how a uh, positive experience of, of uh, working remotely has been there's obviously some things that just aren't possible or are extremely difficult and so being able to have premises available again is is a is a big step wpp's mark reed has said the process is going to be slow and measured ipg have said that they won't be rushing back in um, omnicom have said no one's going to be required to return in fact i think um, all of the holding companies have have effectively said something uh, along those lines um Publicis Group is only opening a single office in each uh, city initially. So they'll be opening their Chancery Lane office, but not their other ones. Uh, I think Habas uh, um, is, is one of the, the most interesting ones. They seem to have the most advanced plans out of the large uh, companies based in London. They're actually reopening from next week, but they're being very, very cautious um, about people going back in. There's going to be strict uh, limits on entry and lots of procedures to make uh, going into the office as safe as possible. We've also run a a survey on our site um, in the last week, um, and uh, it's very, very interesting, uh, the results of that. It shows that people really don't want to go back to the office um, full time. Only 12% of the people who responded to our survey said that that's what they wanted to do once it was safe to to go back in. Uh, It was much more common for people to say that they'd like to go into the office a few days a week um, or to only go in for occasional meetings and, and be based at home the rest of the time uh i think that's going to be very difficult to ignore even though uh, it doesn't apply to everybody um so i think um once we do start getting people going back in regularly it is really going to look very different to um what work was like in the past mm. i mean it's it's
0: fascinating because it's created this um this space for companies to actually rethink the workplace um, as a whole, um, you, you'll have seen the Google announcement in the last, um, few days saying that, yes, we've got, we're to office plans, but the office is going to look very different for those of you who do come back. Um, I'm actually one the, um, I'm reading a book called Shorter, uh, which is a new book by, um, Alex Young Kim Pang. Um, and it's about, um, companies do try that have tried a four-day work week for example and this is something I've written about um for campaign about the need for creative agencies to do a four-day work week for lots of reasons but I think um, you mentioned productivity Simon I mean um doing meetings over zoom I think for example a lot of people will be questioning well you know we automatically book meetings for half an hour or an hour but meetings need to be that long for example so you say productivity hasn't suffered I would argue that in a lot of cases productivity has probably increased from working from home but what we're not getting is kind of you know the 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 opportune moments by the water cooler in the kitchen wherever you have that that good conversation with someone Mm. that kind of thing we're not getting back and it particularly for creative agencies that's
1: that's going to be an issue definitely
0: One of these new companies on the horizon is New Commercial Arts, this new agency co-founded by Adam and Eve, co-founder James Murphy and David Golding. And Adam and Eve, which became a wildly successful ad agency, was behind all those John Lewis ads. Now, we've got some detail on what this new agency is going to look like. Uh, We already knew they'd lured Ian Hartfield from BBH as a creative partner who's going to have an equal stake in the business. And now we know that new commercial arts its proposition is going to unite brands and customer creativity to make brands more desirable and easier to buy uh, they officially launched last week monday the 22nd with 10 people in total including rob curran the chief experience officer from and thompson and matt craigie chief production officer at mother um claire Beale, our editor-in-chief has actually done an interview with david and ian and let's have a clip of david explaining what nca wants to do
2: in terms of the pitches that you've or or the conversations you've had over the last week with clients are they coming to you looking for this um joint kind of uh comms and customer experience service or or people still coming to you for the more traditional stuff 50
3: 50 so far which i think is quite a good strike rate actually because it, it, the natural assumption would be you get a lot of people ring us up going, do us to john lewis um and that's not really what we're about uh, as we move into this uh, in, in, into new commercial arts we want to do end-to-end branded customer experience with cons as important as the rest of the experience and, and in terms of james's you know is it unique I don't know that it's necessarily unique in the market, but I do believe that it's unique that an agency has been built with that offering as opposed to merged or fused together with that offering. And that means that you inherently work together from day one in a different way, as opposed to, you know, some of the tissue rejection that may be the reality elsewhere.
0: And so for the full interview, please go to campaignlive.co.uk. Um, they talk about the name, what's behind New Commercial Arts, how the business is going to differentiate themselves and what it's like to launch a business like this in a crisis. Um, Simon, do you like the name, New Commercial Arts?
1: Yeah, I do like the name, actually. I think it's it's the only agency name I can think of that's got the, the Ron Seal factor. Um which is obviously that it does what it says on the tin. It states its objective. Um, all ad agencies, creative agencies, are um, commercial operations which uh, do creative work, come up with ideas, and then various other things for companies with the intention of um, growing their sales and, and other related uh, things. But there aren't really any others that acknowledge that in, in the title of their um, businesses, the name of their businesses. Um it's it's a really interesting move if we look at um james murphy and david golding's previous agency adam and eve um that was part of what's really been the, the trend for the last 20 years in in uh, going for abstract names that say something about the kind of spirit that the company wants to um uh, wants to pursue and you can also see that in the likes of uh, dare joint now i think previously of course um, almost all uh, agencies were named after their founders um I think if you look at uh, the the other most significant UK agency launch in in the last few years, Uncommon Creative Studio, they've uh, adopted a little bit of what um, New Commercial Arts are doing in that they're identifying the kind of company that that they are, but uh, they're not specifically naming themselves as a, as a commercial operation. I think what New Commercial Arts is is doing is they're trying to appeal to the the demands of chief marketing officers. Um, uh, or the demands placed on chief marketing officers uh, really, because we know that CMOs often uh, have to face a, a real struggle to justify the importance of marketing within their operations to their CEOs and CFOs. Um, they need to demonstrate that marketing is a commercial process um, that gets uh, that gets business results, um, and yes, clearly, I think we were probably anticipating some really interesting creative work coming from NCA um i'm also curious to know whether um uh, the the acronym um was inspired by uh, nwa which which uh, gives them a, a little bit of a kind of uh, an edge um but uh but i think definitely um what they're doing is saying like first and foremost we are a commercial operation that is providing a commercial service
0: Um, when Claire asks how will new commercial arts really be different to other agencies and you know market differentiation is crucial right now at this time when it seems like everyone wants to aspire to be an integrated agency again Um, how is new commercial arts going to be different they say we want to make brands more desirable and easier to buy and that could be anything from creating a very compelling long-term positioning for a brand and creating wonderful emotional communication um what do you think going forward? Um, is it going to be a case of um, hiring the right talent or is it going to be how um, with with Adam and Eve, they obviously started off with an incredible new business um, record. Do you think that's going to be key to their fortunes? What do, you, what do you think we should see from them over the next six months?
1: I think uh, there'll be some differences to uh, their early success in Adam and Eve. The landscape's changed a lot, uh, the, the kind of work, That clients want from their agencies is is quite different to 10 years ago. Um, There's fewer um, retained accounts available, uh, a lot more of it's project-based, and we might see a significant shift that I think it's quite hard to predict in the way that clients engage with with agencies over the next couple of years. I don't think they'll have any problem bringing on talent. Um, They're the best known names in in the UK uh, business. They've got some very high caliber people already. Uh, but I think it is interesting that they're making uh, brand experience a, a central point, a uh, plank of their offer, uh, because it's not about um, in terms of what agencies can offer to their clients. Now, it's not purely about communications, about advertising. It's not about having a kind of good, solid message. Companies really need to think about every facet of how they operate, because uh, everything that they do is visible to the public um, and every way that they engage with uh, with their consumers is important and I think um, agencies have a role to inform and improve every aspect of of that not just the communications.
0: Indeed Um, and one story I want to get in before we wrap up on the news Um, this is a very important story Um, the creation of Voxcom. Uh, This is a new member association which is being built in response to clients' bullying their agencies and enforcing crippling payment terms. Uh, this global coalition is going to bring together agency trade bodies from around the world, including the UK's IPA and the American Association of Advertising Agencies. Simon, what's going on here?
1: Uh, well, this made for a great story, didn't it? Because they used um, very, very visceral language to talk about uh, the um, what you, know, you would have to say would be the, the shameful... Um, way that certain clients are operating at the moment um, uh, it's a tricky one because i think it's clear that almost every company in the world is struggling in, in some way at the moment there are perhaps a few industries that um have, have done well from the, the change in daily life um, but we know that um most companies are going to be facing cash flow, flow problems and things like that um, and yes, absolutely, uh, agencies should stand up to them, but there is a real imbalance in power, um, and there's there's perhaps not that much they can do. Just linking back to what I was saying before, though, um, talking about the, the role of agencies and uh, the changing relationship that consumers have with brands, um, this is uh, maybe quite a difficult issue for uh, people to engage with, but um, definitely... Companies do need to be thinking about their reputation, uh, their image as um, socially responsible organizations um, and clearly um, messing around with the money that they're paying to uh, their service providers uh, and when they're making payments. Um, That could come back to bite them in the end.
0: Yeah, um, not to single out one particular brand, but you know they are the world's biggest auto manufacturer. And um, Volkswagen um, was in the news a lot last year for um, running a series of pitches, um, which were led by its procurement department, in which um, they re- ended up retaining longtime ad agency. BBH um, as an example of um, that power imbalance you mentioned. Um, Paul Baines Fair, Director General of the IPA, tells Campaign although some clients are struggling financially themselves, in many cases it's not a case of can't pay it's won't pay and that nicely allows me to segue into this week's interview which I've done with Victoria Fox from AR and Duncan Wood from Ingenuity talking about how ad agencies that are pitching for new business are doing over Zoom. So joining us today, we have two senior figures from the intermediaries, the companies that help brands select agencies for various advertising accounts. We have Victoria Fox, Chief Executive of AAR, and Duncan Woods, Managing Director of Ingenuity. Hello to you both. And it's a very interesting time for new business as agencies pitch to brands. Um, What has been I'm really interested in finding out what's been happening during the pandemic and how we've had to adapt with zoom calls and the like. Um, Firstly, Victoria, um, how has new business activity been affected since lockdown began?
2: I think like everything, it's been affected uh, quite a lot. Uh, We've been tracking it actually. Uh, AAR have got a new business pulse that we've been tracking over the last eight to nine weeks. And I think it's safe to say that, especially for clients looking for retained relationships, it's substantially down on last year. If you wanted some figures, it's uh, I guess the 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 figure I would pull out is it's looking like about one point four to one point seven inquiries a week for creative agencies, um, whereas this time last year you'd probably be looking at uh, two to three.
0: Right. So that's quite significant. And um, as, as we're having this conversation, um, it looks like various agencies are starting to do back to the office plans. Um, has that coincided with an uptick in new business activity at all? What, what do the next couple of months look like, Victoria?
2: Well, oh, It's a good question. I think what we saw was initially um, anything that was live in conversation with a, a brand owner continued through uh, and has with a few exceptions, gone through to completion. And then there was a real lull in any new, new inquiries. Uh, but what we've started to see in the last couple of weeks is uh, more uh, new inquiries. And I think that probably is coinciding with, uh, I guess, a change in, um, in the crisis mode into a more ongoing mode um, for clients and agencies, hence looking at coming back into the office.
0: Mm. And Duncan Wood from Ingenuity, does that chime with what you've been seeing over the last couple of months and going forward as well?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think I think the interesting point here is that sort of the term new business activity um, as of course, new business, I guess, isn't just about pitching. I guess a lot of listeners might be agencies who are interested in hearing whether clients are engaging in starting new relationships and not just actual pitch stage conversation which is also very important but I guess a nice nice sort of simple way of looking at it might be so if you were to sort of imagine clients in two states of mind you might have one not actively searching for a new agency partner and two obviously actively searching for a new agency partner so what does that mean from a new business perspective I guess I think in terms of agencies prospecting brands to drive new relationships and start new business conversations probably fits more into the the bit where they're potentially not in full buying mode, then I think things are still very much buoyant. However, obviously the tone of the approach has had to change in quite a big way. Um, I think the side of our business that works with agencies to help them from a business development angle has actually found these conversations easier to come by, which has been a good sign. And then I guess in terms of clients actively searching for new agency partners, I think, you know it's interesting Vic there mentioning about, you know, sort of creative pitches coming inbound. I guess Ingenuity specializes potentially more in the sort of the digital social content PR and performance area. And actually, we've seen, you know, some pretty healthy amount of clients in buying mode and a good number of briefs. We've also had a few sizable creative pitches, um, which has been great. But social, digital and performance briefs have really upped in numbers for us.
2: I would say the same thing. We're seeing an enormous increase in in those areas, too. But I, I guess all of them, regardless of whether a client is coming in and asking about finding a new partner or whether they're coming in and asking how they can shape to be match fit for coming out of this in terms of capabilities, both their own internal capabilities and their partner capabilities that is what is starting to become, uh, in the last couple of weeks, um, more buoyant.
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: And why in the last couple of weeks in particular, do you think, Victoria?
2: I think partly because I think like all of us, I don't know about you, but the first few weeks of this was crisis management and trying to flip uh, to working remotely and trying to deliver products um, in a different way. And... And and that gave a, a big focus. So anything that was live would go go forward. But any new, new inquiries that probably wasn't on their minds. And then we had this really quiet period where I think people were exhausted because we were running on adrenaline for a while. So we saw a a, a lull over Easter as people took time to just I think take a step back and breathe. And then in the last couple of weeks, I think what we're starting to see is that this isn't going to be a quick uh flip back to whatever normality was Uh, and therefore you need to plan within this new sort of normal and and therefore you still need new capabilities and just trying to work within the confines of what covid had thrown up is starting to get back to some sort of semblance of movement
0: Mm. okay um so Duncan maybe talk us through a typical chemistry tissue meeting um over zoom um and just that the uninitiated chemistry is, I guess, that initial stage where um, brands and agencies are looking for that chemistry to see how how good of a fit they are. If This agency is broadly what they're looking for. And then they'll go to a tissue meeting where they'll actually talk about more concrete ideas. If it's more sophisticated than that, please, please do elucidate me. Um, but talk us through how that process is actually panning out on Zoom.
3: Yeah, I mean, I guess at first it was it was. Uh slightly novel but to be honest with you it, it's kind of I guess it's all we've got to go with um so we've made do with it and actually do you know what funnily enough I think it's worked out really really nicely um, obviously there's a, a lot of prep is needed before the call because obviously we've in many ways I'm sure Victoria will agree with me that as an intermediary I guess in this process you know clients have got to put quite a lot of trust in you as I guess that real life missing link. Um, of that genuine face to face has gone to some degree, and we've got to really make sure that we are knowing our people as well as their skill sets. Um, so I think that's been been really important. But we offer a lot of uh, personal prep before a call with a client, uh, before a video call, so they really understand the people that they're meeting. Um, you know, some of the time can be lost on that in a call. We we do it, but we do a lot beforehand. Um, but Zoom's been great, actually. And I think, um, and I say Zoom, I know that's going to be one of the topics later, but actually it's been a preferred uh, platform by a lot of clients. Uh, most of clients have wanted to use it. Um, actually, in some of the integrated pitches that we've been uh, been handling, we've been able to utilize mm. their breakout function, which has been pretty cool. Uh, to sort of allow particular teams to focus on certain areas and then come back into the main session. I
2: think I'd agree with you, Duncan. And I just build on, I think the two things that um, I would say about whether it's Zoom or BlueJeans or any of the technologies <clears throat> is that if there is genuine chemistry between the team that is presenting, it will come across regardless of what technology you're on. If there isn't, it exaggerates the lack of it. Um, I think that's what we're seeing. I, I also think we are seeing that, I think this is a brilliant thing, but that the focus uh, of attention is on the thinking and the smarts rather than some of the theatre that comes with uh, with chemistry and pitching. And I think we're seeing that that focus, people who are getting it right, less charts, more discursive, more... Um, uh, chatting around and showing how they think about a topic uh, is is when it feels really good on zoom or, or on blue Jones.
3: victoria have you found this that actually i mean it's quite interesting but in some cases i think it's actually brought clients and agencies quite you know a little bit closer together in many ways
2: Close, I agree. Yeah. I agree Look, with that. the
3: one thing i've noticed also is that where agency teams previously may have been nervous or potentially individuals might have been potentially drowned out by some more dominant figures the video format has allowed some of these people to come into their own a little bit um
2: I agree and it's more human in many ways I know that sounds counterintuitive given it's 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 technology but actually everyone it's a bit of a leveler we're inside people's houses the chat is about what you're doing with your kids while they're running in and out of the room I think that sort of informality levels things and then the focus on it being show me how you're going to help me answer my business challenges that that allows for discussion and I think that's what you're articulating Duncan yeah. I think we're seeing that coming across well on uh, technology mm,
3: definitely
0: it's a really interesting points about um, enabling other people who maybe wouldn't have as much airtime if I can put it that way in the pitch um why is that um Victoria is that because they're more structured these meetings or is there something about the the virtual format that lends itself to that
2: well one thing that is a big no is talking over each other so actually that happens a lot in uh in day to day and I think on technology it really doesn't work so that's had to stop and I think in doing that you're giving uh, a I guess, more introverted characters, space and time to express their points of view.
3: Yeah. Mm. You know, one thing I have seen that's been quite nice in terms of what you say, talking over people. But actually, there was, there was one case where they, pre- they prepped it so well that it looked like they were butting in on the main lead um, by saying, would like to take over, give you a bit of a rest, and it actually worked quite well, um, which I think probably plays into the organisation of it. I think people need to be incredibly organised on these calls.
2: I agree. Yeah. It's it's almost rehearsing to be unrehearsed, yes, isn't it? I, exactly. I think there's little. There's moments where I know it sounds uh, like you're being contrived, but that moment when you come on to as people are coming into either Zoom or Blue Jeans, and it's so awkward prepare something to chat about because those awkward moments really are exaggerated. Yeah. So I think rehearsing how you're going to pass off to each other, how you're going to let people have their space and time, it's increasingly important. The more prepared, the better. You can see it.
0: And I'm interested, how long does a typical meeting between agency and clients last nowadays on a virtual format
2: compared to before? (laughs) That's a really good question. It's definitely, I I think, one of the things I think that we should hold on to post lockdown is the efficiency that some of this is driving. So uh, it is shorter. Uh, I think the ask is more specific. Um, And so we're seeing uh, 45 minutes is an optimum uh, time frame
0: Forty-five minutes. What do you think, Duncan? Is that what you're finding?
3: Some of our sessions have been forty-five. Some have been an hour. I agree. They're starting to veer on the shorter now, um, and I think actually, do you know what? Sometimes it's down to attention spans. Looking at a screen, although you are looking at people, I think its attention spans can start to start to wander. Um, and I think actually, this sort of veers quite nicely into some of the tips that agencies. Or some of the tricks agencies can do to keep attention. I've noticed a few nice things that people have been using about mentioning individual stakeholders' names during the sessions whilst talking, which obviously keeps people on the edge of their chairs as opposed to sitting back and potentially falling into that state Mm. of uh, of trance.
0: And does that that work? You were talking about contrived things before. Is it like you, Joe, Joe Bloggs, marketing director, you...
3: It does. It really does. You know, calling people out in these sessions, calling the clients' names out, and why a particular strategy or a particular idea would be relevant for this stakeholder or that stakeholder, has worked so well. You can see people almost warming to it because you know it 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 almost comes out the screen and grabs that person. So I think that's really well.
2: I think that's true. I think also we're missing. I think what we are missing is that that sense that, of feeling when you can read the room and you can feel things that are going on or pick up gestures. We're really missing that. So what we, I think people have to do is overcompensate by leaning in really and giving a lot of energy to the session uh, and really listening harder than ever Uh, and that is exhausting and that's why I think the shorter sessions are also important because I don't know about you but I come off uh, at the end of the day and I'm far more tired than I uh, would be in a in a normal situation I think it's because I'm trying to draw more energy out uh, over Zoom than to to overcompensate for that lack of feel um, uh, that's missing Um, so I think those are really important things to do as a team is to lean in and and draw that energy that's uh, um, hard to get over.
3: I think it also, you know, from from a client perspective, there's things that you can do. These agencies obviously are doing a lot of work behind the scenes, you know, not not together in a physical presence. And I think there's things that you can do throughout the meeting. And although you're supposed to have your the microphone turned off, there are certain points where an agency you can see it's quite difficult pitching when you don't really see any or hear any noise or any interaction. So, you know. Sp- Occasional grunts of contentment, or I've actually asked clients to send private chat messages to some of the presenters, just saying it's going really well, really appreciating this, liking this, and that, you know that, that can be very encouraging for agencies.
0: Just on the points about chemistry meetings, Duncan, um they're supposed to be about seeing what the fit is like between a client and agency. How effective is that over video chat?
3: Yeah, I think if you you know if you go back to Victoria's point earlier around focusing on that quite early. Um, I think it's very possible. I think it's clear or it isn't very quickly. Well, it certainly is from an intermediary point of view where we tend to sort of be watching that. I just think you've got to be on it from an agency perspective very, very quickly in these calls. Because one thing I have noticed is it seems more difficult to claw a meeting back if there's something that isn't feeling quite right. Whereas I sometimes in a live session, I've seen that Happen a number of cases where things potentially don't start as well, and then potentially you know you can pull it back. But I think you've got to be on it from the word go. So yes, the chemistry is 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 definitely possible video for sure. Um and it's the energy you bring to the session. You know you can see it. It looks flat if it's flat, but the people that are up for it and energized, I think people are desperate for some of that. So it's all in the energy, I think
2: I think we were more worried about uh, how chemistry would be um, manifested then it actually is it's played out better than we had expected I, I think one of the things you said earlier duncan is really true is that um leaning on our expertise and understanding of the, the cultures of the agencies to to feed that into the process i think is important uh for for clients um and we can rely on um in, in certain cases, the agency reels, which capture the essence of the agency and show how it feels to work in that office. And I think that's really helped clients to get a feel for what it feels like to walk the corridors of that, uh, of that uh, agency. Um, but equally, if the team have genuine chemistry, and they're picking up on each other's sentences and finishing things for each other, you can really feel like that, you can feel that energy. Um, so I think, I think it's better than we had uh, anticipated. I wouldn't say that it totally replaces face-to-face. I think that I can see a future where you intersperse uh, virtual meetings uh, for some of the interim sessions. And uh, for for some of them, there's nothing that's going to be walking around and meeting people and seeing what it feels like physically. But I think that's that's what we're going to see in the future is this mix-up of virtual and Mm. um, physical. And let
0: me ask you both, um, what things have stood out in terms of things that have worked particularly well and maybe not so well? And with the things that didn't work so well, were there were you able to find solutions and improvements to mitigate them, uh, Victoria?
2: Well, I talked about it earlier, but I think that initial um, moment when people are coming on and it's that awkward, are we waiting for more people to come on? And there's silence. I think getting off to that really good start where you feel like you're having a chat and it's it's just natural is a really good tone setter for the whole session. Um, so come prepared to chat.
3: From my point of view, um, I would say, obviously, you can't really look someone in the eye over a computer. So as I mentioned earlier, calling someone's name out is a really, really good way of keeping keeping attention going uh on and off from a slide share point of view i've seen some sessions where the slide has remained on the screen for the majority of the session and you can't really engage with the people or see the reactions of people particularly well so
2: yeah less charts i, I less charts so that you can see faces and you can see uh and you can have a discussion um less on the charts and less charts that seems to work best
3: yeah and then you know at the beginning i thought Having a lot of people would be a nightmare, and I think if it's disorganized, it is, but if it's organized, it's much better having, and when I say a lot of people, I don't mean a huge amount of people, but you can have a number of people, but if you're organized, it can bring some real, real variation to the session, which I think is nice.
0: What's the average number of people you're getting in a meeting nowadays?
3: You know, we started off with sort of three or four because we were sort of suggesting that's probably the limit. But, you know, in some of the pitches we've had recently, we had five or six.
0: That's on each side, brands and agency.
3: Well, that's sort of dependent on what the, what the opportunity has been. I um, mean, a couple of them where they've been integrated opportunities, the stakeholders have come with, with a few more. But going back to that point, I think if you have real organisation in who knows what slide they're talking about and when, it can look great with a number of people on it.
0: Hmm. Okay. And um, so if you can cast your minds... Far into the future, where we're all working in offices again, and hopefully the sun is shining as much. And um, Dominic Cummings is still being um, <laughs> in his car and um, testing his eyesight in the appropriate ways. Um, will we see more pitching over video, even when we're done with lockdown? Do you think, Victoria?
2: I think it's about um, mixing it up. I think it's. I think for certain stages, I think uh, interim, especially interim tissue meetings. I think. Using uh, virtual meetings is, is going to be a really good thing to keep going with because using the chat function so you can get clients to draw into a, a discussion I think has worked brilliantly well. Do I think it replaces it in, in its entirety? I really hope not because I think uh, the, there is so much about uh, face-to-face that we probably don't even remember what we're missing but those those moments of those feeling moments i think are missing but i think it's about mixing it up and, and using both virtual uh, elements and physical elements
3: yeah i think you know what victoria said is is true to some degree in terms of i think you know the face to face is great and i think probably final pitch presentations it would be a shame if they went to uh, purely virtual but i think I definitely think there's an opportunity here to speed up certain processes. And as to my point right at the beginning, I think if you just look at new business activity as a whole, there's certain areas of the new business process that can be taken online. And I think that's brilliant. And I think it's going to mean more interaction, more new business relationships, new perspective for clients, easier access for clients to speak to new agencies.
2: Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's a great thing as well to try and see this as a moment in time to, I guess, uh, shake up some of the uh, the hard costs that are, are, are sunk in, in pitches. I think we've we've been talking to a number of agencies who have said, actually, when you're not focused on having to print all this material, um, hey, you're saving trees, B, you're saving money, but C, you're spending the time on the most important thing, which is, thinking and answering business challenges for clients um and i think that's something that we should all try and hold on to and, and and adapt to rather than going back to normal
0: perhaps we'll have you both on the podcast in a few months time once we're back to normal and see whether those things become true uh, but for now victoria fox and duncan wood thank you very much
2: thank you great session thank you,
0: yes, thank you. okay and we're back joining me is simon gwynn we're going to talk about this week's ads um firstly um now we've previously talked on the podcast before about um ads and coronavirus times um this week's offering is from bbc bbc sounds um let's have a listen um this is celebrating the british public's resilience and spirit despite the pandemic and it's called the great british sing-along It was shot using drones and depicts ordinary people in a block of flats, dancing from their windows to David Bowie's 1977 song, Heroes. Simon, what do you think about that?
1: Well, it's a good song. I think all the ones we're looking at today have uh, quite well-chosen soundtracks. Um, It's a nice production too, uh, but uh, I think this has very much been tainted by the news cycle of the last few days. Um, we know that there's a lot of anger around um, Dominic Cummings um, and his trip to Durham. Uh, it's it's still going on and it remains to be seen really what the, the outcome of that will be. Um, but I think uh, people have, have looked at that and, and um, uh, it's really tainted the, the sense of everyone kind of coming together and uh, doing their bit to, to protect the country and to save lives. Um, and so I found this a, a funny watch this morning, I have to say
0: yes it you it's a good point about things being overshadowed by recent events and the government's um mixed messaging um to put it lightly over what people should have been doing during lockdown and particularly when you when you've been watching the bbc's coverage be it BBC breakfast or the one show or the news bulletins there's definitely been um a consciousness Um, around its editorial output in terms of uh, while it's difficult to be positive at this time to actually get through that sense of community um, which is really important when we're all kind of doing this social distancing effort together kind of coincides with um, HSBC's work um, where again, celebrating heroes this time it's Britain's key workers sort of similar to um, the British gas um, ad we referenced in the last podcast Um, this one's narrated by Sandy Togsvig
3: They came from the north, south, east, and west.
0: And the middle bit.
2: Local heroes one and all. We're not an island. We are part of something far, far bigger.
0: It talks about NHS staff farmers bus drivers um i guess it's similar in terms of a coronavirus ad. but simon do you think this stands out or does it kind of fall into the trap of being a samey samey coronavirus ad
1: yeah well i think there's a, a recognition now that some of the uh what i've called corona core um ads um the ugc uh based uh things showing people at their homes staying strong, stronger are getting pretty tedious this one is a is a bit more stylish i think uh Charity to fire was a great choice it's quite cheesy. Um, but it does give it a, a, it's, its own thing. Sandy Topswig's a, a great narrator. And on the HSBC campaign as a whole, uh, I think the last few months have really seen it kind of transcend where it had come from before, where it very, very much felt like a reference to the Brexit process and saying, you know, the UK isn't defined by this decision to to leave the EU. Um, it's now uh the the commentary that's coming from it now seems to really be about how the, the, the whole world is is in uh this pandemic um together and, and um it's uh, it's an interesting example of uh, circumstances completely changing the sense of a, a message.
3: Mm.
0: That ad of course created by Wonderman Thompson and um one ad which gave me some hope um was KFC Uh, which announced um, the reopening of its UK stores. And this new ad by its ad agency Mother um, features a tongue-in-cheek effort which spotlights fans' homemade attempts at fried chicken. Simon, did this give you as much hope as it gave me?
1: Um, yeah, I've been vaguely looking forward to, uh, getting some KFC, um, at, at some stage. Um, uh, once again, um, brilliant tacky, uh, song to soundtrack this ad. Uh, and I think it's very much classic KFC. Mother have done a, a number of very entertaining ads for, for the brand since they won the account. Um, and this really continues in, in that line.
0: Mm, and, um, that soundtrack is All By Myself by Celine Dion, for those of you playing at home. Um. I wonder, do you think this is going to be a start of a, a new subgenre? We've got so many um, subgenres of advertising now during coronavirus times, but do you think this is going to create a new wave of we're back ads? Uh,
1: unfortunately, yes. I think that's probably quite likely. Um, now, uh, a genre is expansive by nature and you can bring in lots of different ideas and ways of, of doing things. And I think we just need to hope that uh, enough brands and enough agencies. Have the kind of courage and ingenuity to do that rather than just churning out the same stuff that others have already done mm.
0: but it is just nice to know that things are coming back to some sort of normal whatever that may be uh, and finally um, you actually chose this for pick of the week Simon um, TikTok's first um, TV ads, they've done video on demand stuff before but this is first linear broadcast TV ad um, you chose it for pick of the week it's called A Little Brighter Inside why, why do you like it so much?
1: Um, well, it put a smile on my face. I don't think it does anything uh, particularly unusual. Uh, I've seen ads similar to this before, but what I would say is that um, over the last few months, I've seen a lot of TikTok content shared on Twitter and Instagram, but I hadn't yet signed up. Um, and this prompted me to download the app, give it a go. One thing that's difficult to capture in uh, 60 seconds is uh, the kind of the level of comedy that you get on there. There's some really, really great comedy and I think that just shows uh, in terms of uh, the culture that we're in at the moment uh, how um, exciting that this moment in time is really yeah that the entertainment that's available to us is just much more diverse and and interesting than than, uh, what we had you know even five or ten years ago
0: yeah 100 percent. i mean um i wrote a feat i wrote a big feature for the magazine in november about tiktok spoke to lots of people lots of agencies um not just about um the different ad formats um that were coming available but also just um the things you're talking about in terms of the content and why people go onto tiktok it's it's I must admit, you know, I'm in my mid thirties now and it's a bit prohibitive because you go on and everyone on there seems really young and there's just this instant sense that there's sort of a joke that you're not instantly aware of. Like you mentioned the comedy, it's always riffing off of something in popular culture. You know, there's always, there's some element of, um, pass the ball to it. Um, so it is a bit prohibitive when you first use it, but once you kind of get into it, um, yeah, the content is really, really funny. Um and as you say, so many of the so many of the memes that we're seeing on um Twitter and Facebook nowadays are originating from TikTok. And you know, um the higher, you know, the the Disney veteran um Kevin Mayer that they've just um hired to be their CEO, um an indication perhaps that um they they're gonna spin off, they're gonna IPO. Um definitely big things um are coming with TikTok, it looks like. Well, I'm afraid that's all the time we have for this episode. Thanks so much to Simon Green, my colleague, for appearing on this week's episodes, and to Victoria Fox and Duncan from Ingenuity. And thanks to Number 8 Studios for the help recording this episode remotely and to Ben Londersberg at Campaign for producing it. Remember to subscribe if you haven't already and catch the latest ad industry news and all the biggest brands ads at campaignlive.co.uk. Bye-bye.